Hello everyone, uh, welcome, thank you very much for coming. It's great to see you all. You weren't tempted to go out sunbathing then. Uh, welcome to Gospel in the City. Um, the only uh, real announcement today is another plug for the event next week where we're delighted to um, welcome Jeremy Marshall who was the the former CEO of Horse Bank, uh, the oldest private bank in the UK, um, uh, until he was diagnosed with cancer, with terminal cancer. And so he'll be coming to talk to us about how his Christian faith has um, obviously impacted the way that he's dealt with that diagnosis, how his family has dealt with that. He'll um, share with us um, um, yeah, how, how he's still been able to serve the Lord in the, the months and what well, I think it's over years, years since, since that diagnosis. It's a really, obviously a really good um, event to invite our colleagues to. Um, whether we like it or not, we'll all face death eventually. So um, we try and put it off, don't we? Stop not, not to think about it. But this will be um, a really um, good um, event to get people thinking. And Jeremy's a very uh, clear and engaging speaker. And then just um, to flag up the week after that, Sam will be um, um, giving a follow-on talk on kind of um, what Jesus has to say um, about illness and, and death and how we should be responding to that. It'll still be in John's Gospel um, just after this section, but it's really, it's really tying in to um, the week before. Um, so think of that as a, as a double header to invite your colleagues to. There isn't a flyer, but we will be sending out an email which will be designed to forward on to your colleagues. And perhaps if you'd like to take these little business cards, take a, a couple of those with you today, uh, uh, as something physical maybe to give um, people as you invite them. It's a little little business card and it tells you a little bit about what Gospel in the City is and if they're keen, if they're you know, not quite sure what they're going to get involved in and stuff, they can go onto the website and check us out um, on there. Brilliant. Well, we are carrying uh, on our series in John and um, Steve Old, who's been with us lots of times before, will be carrying on in that series. So why don't I pray and then um, I'll be reading from uh, the blocks. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for your glorious creation. Thank you um, that we can see you speak through it on a, on, a, on a day like today. Thank you for gathering us together. And thank you for this opportunity to hear you speak through your word. We pray that we might hear you and take what you have to say seriously. We ask it in your name. Amen. Great. So, John chapter 4, verse 27. And you'll find a copy of John's Gospel on your table, either the white version or the blue version. So, verse 27 to 42. Just then his disciples, that is Jesus' disciples, came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? 
they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labour. Others have laboured, and you have entered into their labour. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Saviour of the world. Well, it's great to be back with you this afternoon, and uh, what a pleasure it was to walk over from uh, Great Vic to here in that beautiful sunshine. Uh, I thought I was going to stop and and see if I could buy a pair of shorts somewhere just to get into the the summer mood, but uh, you wouldn't want to see my white legs at this stage of the year, I can assure you. Well, we come back this afternoon now to one of the most gripping encounters with Jesus in all of the New Testament. I wasn't here over the past two weeks, but I did listen to Lee's talks online, and he did such a wonderful job of unpacking the first two-thirds of this uh, encounter with Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Lee has shown how Jesus approached this Samaritan woman, who would have been considered a real outcast in her day, with gentleness and compassion. One of the things, amidst other things, that really draws me to the person of Jesus in the Gospels is the way he handles sinful, broken people with gentle hands. Have you ever noticed how he has has encounters with down-and-out people, and, and yet he doesn't go in harshly, judgmentally, but he actually draws out their heart with gentleness and love. And in John 4, we see that so clearly. Jesus is the Savior who does not look at the things that people look at. Where others in the culture of the day saw a shameful and sexually immoral woman Jesus Jesus saw a lost sheep without a shepherd. 
one who he had come to seek and save. Lee left off last week with this final statement of Jesus in verse 26, where Jesus said to this Samaritan woman, essentially, I am the one you are looking for. I am the Messiah. I am the one that can give you the water of life that will satisfy your deepest needs. And now as we open in verse 27, we move to a new scene in the narrative. A scene where the woman runs off to tell her people about what she has found in Jesus Christ. This section asks us an important question when we step back and see it as a whole section of John's Gospel. This question asks us, will we share something of this heart of God? A God who seeks and saves the lost. A God whose heart it is to assemble worshippers, not just from our little comfortable people group that we're part of, not our little tribe, but a God who seeks worshippers from all peoples, all cultures, all classes, all creeds, all nations. In a sense, this passage teaches us that Jesus really is the Savior of the world. And so will we share God's heart to see worshipers come to the Savior from the whole world? The way this section communicates this message is quite striking. If you look just for a moment down at your John's Gospel, you'll see the structure of this passage, which is quite striking. From verses 27 to 30, you get this woman's passion and excitement as she runs back into the town to tell her people about Jesus. Then if you look down at verse 39 to 42, that's what you would really expect to follow verse 30. Many Samaritans believe because of the woman's testimony. But that narrative gets kind of broken up with the verses in between. Verse 31 down to verse 38. Where you move away from the Samaritan woman's excitement, running to tell her people about Jesus, and you get this really special teaching moment where Jesus speaks to his disciples. And so much of the weight of this little section is, is there in that teaching moment where Jesus speaks to his disciples. So what we're going to do is just look at the three sections of the narrative. And what I want us to see is how this really is given to inspire us to be faithful witnesses to what we have found in Jesus. So first what we see in verses 27 to 30, in this woman and her passion to go and tell others about Jesus, is a simple example of a gospel witness. The scene begins with the return of the disciples. The last we heard of the disciples was in verse 8, when they left Jesus off at the well to go on into the town to buy some food. And it was while they were away that Jesus had this encounter with a Samaritan woman. Now the disciples come back. You can imagine them with their, their bread and the food that they had got 
in the town, but straight away they're absolutely astonished that Jesus is speaking with this woman, which confirms so much of our understanding that it would have been totally inappropriate for, God, for Jesus as a Jewish male rabbi to speak with this woman in public. The disciples are just like, what is going on? The word astonished in the original language actually can mean they were disturbed. It can mean positive, they were astonished, but it can also have negative connotations. They were disturbed that Jesus was speaking openly with this promiscuous woman. Jesus has addressed this woman with love and compassion while the disciples are away, and yet they're still stuck in this place where they're wondering, how can he speak with such a woman in public. Notice how John assigns significance to the questions the disciples don't ask Jesus. No one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? Now this is fascinating. Back in verse 23, do you remember Jesus' comment? The hour is coming and is now here where the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. And now the disciples come and they don't ask, what are you seeking, Jesus? Why are you talking with her? If Jesus was to answer that question, I think he would simply say, I'm seeking her. That's why I'm speaking with her. I'm doing the work of the Father, seeking and saving the lost. Well, in verse 28, we turn back to the woman and we get this nice little detail about her leaving her water jar to go into the town to share her encounter with her own people. Now, it's fascinating. She just leaves the water jar. Think about it. She came to the well with the water jar, seeking literal water, H2O, to quench her thirst. Now she leaves the water jar. She hasn't got literal H2O, but she has left that well with far more than she came for. Practically, the leaving of the jar is simply because she's in a hurry to get back to her own people in the town to share what she has found in Jesus. You can imagine it. You wouldn't want a big heavy water jar on your head walking slowly. She's excited. She's met Jesus. She just leaves it and runs into town to tell the people about Jesus. And we read in the narrative that when she arrives at town, she just speaks to the people and says, come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Now, back in verse 25, we read that the Samaritan expectation of the Messiah was that he would come and tell them all things. And now she's saying, come, see a man who told me all things about my life. Could this be the Messiah? And in verse 30, we read that all the people headed out of the town to come to meet Jesus, this Jesus, at the well. And then if you skip down to verse 39 and continue the narrative, we read that many from the town believed in Jesus because of her testimony. She shared her story and it made people want to come and inquire, who is this Jesus? 
There's something I think here beautifully simple about this woman's passion to share what she had come to see in Jesus. Essentially, she's been impacted by Jesus and her first desire is to introduce people to this Jesus who has so impacted her life. Let's not make sharing our faith more complicated than that. A Welsh pastor, Martin Lloyd-Jones, has said, we have enough defenders of the gospel. What we need are more witnesses. People who will share their transforming encounter with Jesus in a genuine and real way. We see she hasn't got it all figured out. She doesn't know necessarily if this is the Messiah or not. She's like, I've met Jesus. This guy's amazing. Could this be the Messiah? She simply wants to introduce others to the Jesus she has found. Evangelism, sharing our faith with others, always starts with this desire. We want to talk about Jesus who he is, what he means to us, how he has impacted our lives. If you're not doing that, you're probably not doing evangelism. Verse 39, I think, is just so encouraging. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. All she had to do was share her story and trust God to do the rest. Well, after this wonderful example of a gospel witness, then we come to this little section from verses 31 down to verse 38. And we see here the priority of gospel witness. The priority of gospel witness for true disciples of Jesus. The story, as I said, of the Samaritan the gospel coming to this Samaritan city is broken up by this important teaching moment between Jesus and his disciples. I think we're to contrast now the disciples and their response to Jesus and the woman and her response to Jesus. In verse 31, we read, meanwhile, which is kind of a, as the Samaritan woman's running off to town, let's turn our attention back now to the well, Jesus and the disciples. Meanwhile, That is, as the Samaritans are on their way to come to meet Jesus, the disciples urge Jesus to eat something. And Jesus says to them, look, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And just like the woman missed Jesus' illusion when he spoke of water that he could give to to spiritual water, the woman thought when Jesus offered her water of life, she thought Jesus was speaking of literal water. Now as Jesus speaks of spiritual food that he has to eat, the disciples start thinking, hang on, did someone else bring him something to eat while we were away? And so they're confused like the woman was confused. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus is saying here, In performing my Father's will, in bringing life to this woman, there is a deeper satisfaction and sustenance for me than anything you can offer me. My food is not just physical food. 
My food is to do God's will. And that is sharing his heart in seeing a gathering of worshippers who will worship him in spirit and truth. And then Jesus turns to the disciples and essentially he challenges them now. In verse 35, he says, lift up your eyes to the fields. They're white for harvest. Now that means ripe. Basically, if you imagine a nice big golden barley or wheat field that's just ready to be cut, Jesus said, look out on the fields. They're white for harvest. They're ready. Now is the time to gather in my Father's harvest, to gather in these worshippers who will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. And you have to remember, there's a whole bunch of Samaritans who are running towards Jesus now at the well. People who are not Jews of the disciples' little ethnic tribe. People from a different, who are different to them, coming. And Jesus says, look, even now, the time's here to gather in the harvest. Jesus is using the language of sowing, seed, it growing, being ready to be gathered in as a harvest, as a metaphor for sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus for bringing in a people from all nations who will worship God in spirit and truth. In verse 28, Jesus says to the disciples, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. In a sense, what Jesus is saying here is, your fruitfulness is possible because of the work of others who have gone before you. I think most immediately this refers to the Samaritan woman. She has gone before the disciples to share her story with the Samaritans. I think this refers to Jesus and his work, John the Baptist and his work. He had been teaching and baptizing in this region recently. This group of people who have gone before the disciples also speaks of the long lists of prophets, righteous teachers throughout the Old Testament who had prepared the way for this moment when the Father's harvest would be gathered together now that the Messiah had come. It would be a time for gathering the worshippers from all nations who would worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. In verse 34, Jesus says, My will is to do the will of him who sent me. And now in verse 38, Jesus says, I sent you, disciples, out into this world to reap and gather in my people. Jesus says, You're entering this work of God's, going out there seeking worshipers who will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. Jesus put it like this in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. Go and make disciples of all nations. Enter the Father's work of seeing and seeking out worshipers who will worship the Father in the Spirit and in the truth. Jesus is saying to his disciples, get involved in my Father's work. My Father is seeking worshippers. You get out there and seek worshippers by introducing people 
to me, says Jesus. This is challenging for us, especially as now over the next couple of weeks, you're thinking about and being encouraged to invite people along to the next couple of weeks of Gospel in the City. Wonderful opportunity to hear this man's story of his faith in the midst of trial, sickness, difficulty. You have the opportunity to be part of the Father's work. The Father seeking worshippers from all peoples across this city who will worship him in spirit and truth. And he uses people like the Samaritan woman and the simple testimony of what Jesus means to us and the simple work of going out and trying to introduce people to Jesus. By doing that, we're entering the Father's work and sharing the Father's heart. So as you seek to introduce people to Jesus, you can trust God that he will do the work of saving. All you have to do is be faithful in doing the work of introducing people to Jesus. The Samaritan woman said to her people, come and see. Jesus says to the disciples, go and tell. Finally then, in verse 39, we come to see the foundation, or sorry, 39 to 42, we see the foundation of gospel witness. In verse 39, we read of the many Samaritans who believe through the woman's testimony. They come to Jesus They ask him to stay with them for a couple of days, which he does. And we read that many more Samaritans believed because of Jesus' teaching. Verse 42 gives us the goal of all missions, all evangelism. Not people saying, I believe because you say so, but I've come to see for myself who Jesus is. They say to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the saviour of the world. Now this is such a statement that we are to hear at the end of this narrative. The whole thing started off with a Jewish group thinking it is unthinkable to reach out to a Samaritan group. And now what we have is a Samaritan group coming to Jesus and them saying, wow, Jesus really is the saviour of the world, saviour for all people. Jesus is not just the saviour of the Jews, but of the Samaritans. He's not just the saviour of the Samaritans, but Syrians in the world today, of Indians, Australians, Iraqis, Turkish people, Afghans, Saudis, Africans, Asians, Westerners, rich, poor. Jesus is the saviour of the world. And the Father is seeking worshippers from the whole world who will worship him in spirit and in truth. In verses 27 to 42, we have a lesson for Jesus' disciples about God's heart to save all people from all nations, not just people who are culturally like them. This is a powerful word, I think, for us in Northern Ireland. It's amazing how sometimes it seems the gospel in Belfast can be, it's almost just the gospel for the prods. You ever noticed that? Protestantism, Catholicism divides this city and we seem sometimes to just want to stay in our own little camp, our little 
evangelical churches full of Protestants. And we forget that the Father's seeking worshippers from all sides of the community. And we have to think, how do I share the Father's heart in seeing worshippers from the communities that are not just like me? How do I get in there and share the Father's heart? This means we have to radically think differently about how we do evangelism in our churches, the culture and tone of our churches. Are they welcoming for all people across the city? Or do we stand up and do things that are wholly inappropriate that would make people think that's the gospel for unionists? We have to think seriously about this if we're going to take the whole gospel to the whole city. Our problem is not Jews and Samaritan division. Ours is the Protestant Catholic division. And we cannot just walk away from this text and say, we're going to stay in our tribe. We have to think, how do we get outside of our tribe to engage the whole city with the whole gospel, whether we're Catholics looking in at Protestants, Catholic Christians looking at Protestants, or Protestant Christians looking at Catholics? How do we engage the whole city with the whole gospel? John Piper has written a very helpful book called Let the Nations Be Glad, and I've included a little quote from it at the bottom of your handout. He says in the opening line of that book, Mission, missions is not the ultimate purpose of the church. Worship is. Missions exists because worship doesn't. The Father is seeking worshippers today in this city who will worship him in spirit and truth. The reason missions and evangelism exists, us getting out there to share faith, is because at the moment those people are not giving God the worship he is due. And that's why missions and evangelism exists. And that's why over this next couple of weeks at Gospel in the City, you're going to be encouraged to share, reach out to people, bring them along with the hope of introducing them to Jesus so that you're sharing the Father's heart. I would encourage you to go out from today praying, Lord, help me to introduce other people to Jesus. Or maybe if you're here and you're not a Christian and you're more like that Samaritan woman and what you see in Jesus you like, but you're not just sure yet. What I would encourage you, keep coming. Keep exploring. You yourself keep inviting others. Say, come and see. Could, this, could there be something in this Jesus? Keep asking that question.